Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 264 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. It's been a long, hard-working week. Some overnight sessions preparing colonies for the move to the borage and getting them there safely. But there's no complaints. The borage is looking great and we've had some much-needed rain. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast and some very interesting days we've had this past week. Here we are, the beginning of July, and I'm scratching my head wondering where June has disappeared to. The good news is that we've started the migration to the borage and it's gone without a hitch. Around 75 colonies are now in position in the deepest, darkest parts of Essex. And I think if I had sent offerings to the weather gods for their help and assistance, I couldn't have been more pleased with their response. Apart from one minor stress point, everything has played nicely into our plans. The two weeks of late June and into the first week of July are the points at which I look to move our bees to the borage. It seems to fit in well with the growing season, and although we have flexibility in those weeks, planning for that time frame seems to be about right. I seem to recall last year the borage crop that failed on us seemed to be a couple of weeks ahead of the rest. Maybe that was part of the problem, but the main flowering period appears to be the last week of June through to around the middle of July. So now we hold our breath and hope we have strong enough colonies to take advantage of the nectar these plants will produce. The process of moving our bees is not at all complicated. It just takes time and manpower. Oh, and girl power, of course. I couldn't manage without the help from Steph. It would have been useful to have had a couple of other bodies to help with the loading, Maybe I'll plan for that next year. More on that shortly, though. The weather has been almost perfect for us. The strategy of strapping colonies on one day and then blocking entrances and moving overnight, or rather late night into day, has worked well for us this year. We have had some slightly cooler days compared to the near heatwave conditions, and that has been very helpful as preparing colonies is quite time-consuming. I go for the belt and braces method mostly. I've had too many floors slip out of place or roofs become escape routes for our bees, just as we're about to lift and move hives. The plan this week was to inspect colonies and following confirmation of a queenwright colony, ensure that they had plenty of space for them to travel safely. We would then add a couple of straps, as per my various videos you might have seen, side-by-side strapping rather than overlapping cross-strapping. Check out the videos if you can't picture quite what I mean. Anyway, this is where the Technoset hives really excel. They're perfect for migratory beekeeping. I really can't find any fault with them in this regard. The floor-to-brood box clips holds everything tightly in place around the entrance and the brood box-to-roof clips fixes the roof to the main body of the hive. 
the entrance blocks simply press down to block the entrances, while at the same time leaving a ventilation grid exposed to allow airflow. These hives have no need for straps at all, and the process of securing for travel takes less than 10 seconds. A quick check to make sure the clips are secured properly after inspection means that all we have to do is press down on the entrance block closure and the bees are secured inside and we're safe to lift them from their pallets. The one complication here is that with some of our colonies being so large, we have to add at least one super to give them room to move around and ventilate the colony so that they don't suffer from a meltdown situation. This is where a colony is trapped inside a hive or nuke box and is unable to control the internal hive temperature, meaning that the heat progressively increases, the wax melts collapsing into a heap on the floor, and basically suffocating the bees within. It's not something you want to have happen. This is where we sometimes also use travel screens. These are wooden framed mesh screens, not unlike a Varroa mesh floor screen, and we place it on the hive after inspection prior to moving the bees. Then strap the hive up securely above the mesh screen but beneath the roof, and then at the point of moving them, the roof is removed, exposing the mesh screen and allowing much more air to flow and the heat to rise from the colony. The colonies that are very large and need the extra space really do cause a major delay in the whole preparation timetable. These currently have to be strapped up in the same way as our honeypore hives need strapping. That's two straps. We use the cantilever straps from Thorns, possibly the best hive strap design ever, and once you get your head around how they work and how to use them, you'll wonder why you haven't ever used them before. All of that said, it just takes time. 10 seconds to close down a techno set, around 4 or 5 minutes to do the same with a honeypore hive, 2 straps to secure the hive, none of the honeypore hive component parts lock together in the same way that the Technoset hives clip together, so we do have to use straps on all of them. Then we have to block the entrance, as the honeypore hives don't have self-closing entrances in the way the Technoset hives work. The entrance on the honeypore hive is a simple acrylic strip, but what I've found is that when you squeeze a bit of foam into the open part of the entrance, it sometimes causes the entire acrylic strip to lift and the bees just flood out. Because of that, I favour the use of foam cut to size and pushed into the entire width of the hive with that acrylic entrance removed, using a hive tool to secure it in place. But again, because of the various types of floor we have, each one is potentially slightly different, meaning we're wasting time fiddling around with foam strips. I think that one of my winter jobs is going to be finding a way to fit the same clips to the honeypore hives that we use on the Technoset hives. Time is everything and any savings I can make when moving the bees is an absolute lifesaver. So with all that said, we had around 48 hives to move in the first batch. These are the colonies that have been at the oilseed rape and vetch apiary. Luckily for us, the hives were all set up on that concrete track that you may have seen in the videos. We moved this load early on Wednesday morning, arriving at 3am. 
it was just starting to get light and an overcast start to the day. And thank goodness, because to my horror, the temperature at 3am was already 17 degrees Celsius. How on earth did that happen? It was obvious that some of the colonies were huge as they were bearding on the outside of the hives. Imagine that. We've turned up to move the bees, thinking it would be a simple process of clicking entrances shut or inserting a piece of foam. But the reality was we needed to light the smoker, get our bee suits on and encourage the bees back into the hives. At this point, my mind was racing away with various disaster scenarios. The only reason the bees were bearding outside the hives was because it was too hot inside for them. And here I was, about to force several hundred bees, if not thousands of bees, back into their hive and block them in. My mind was in meltdown at the thought of the hives being in meltdown. A quick sip of coffee and a pause to think about the best way to deal with the situation and we were back on track. My plan was to load all of the smaller non-bearding colonies first, leaving the largest until last then tease the bees back into their hives, block them in, lift them onto the trailer, strap and go. It took nearly two hours to complete the task, just the two of us, me and Steph, and of course I had failed to note that those colonies that were bearding were some of the largest and therefore heaviest we had. By the time we got to the last few boxes of bees, it was obvious some kind of extra assistance would have been useful. An easy loader type system would have made all the difference, maybe next year. If not, I really need to employ my nephew and a couple of his friends to do the heavy lifting for me. These muscles of mine ain't what they used to be. We did okay though. By 5am we had everything sorted and were off to the borage. To cut a very long story short, the trip was very uneventful. The coffee and pastries were much needed and we arrived rested and fed without incident. I say without incident, I did manage to knock down the farmer's fence post with the trailer as I drove into the field. I'm still deciding whether to tell him or not. The unloading took around 30 minutes. It's so much easier to lift boxes of bees off a trailer than to lift them on. Weird that. We had earlier in the week brought over around 150 supers in preparation for the borage flow and by the time we had everything unloaded it was apparent that we needed to get these boxes on that day. The borage was in flower and the bees were straight on it. So this is where I revert back to the weather forecast and the reason it had been so warm overnight and cloudy was because there were imminent signs of rain and thunderstorms. You'll all know how bees hate thunderstorms. Well, to say they were very, very unwelcoming would be an understatement. The vigorous shaking they'd received in the move, despite my careful driving, at least I like to think it was careful, but despite my careful driving, the journey to the borage combined with the local weather conditions meant that even with a smoker working overtime, these bees were out to get me. All I was doing was unstrapping them, removing the roof and coverboard, adding a couple of supers, three in the case of the largest colonies, replacing the roof and moving on. This, it seems, was enough to upset them to the point that they chased me from hive to hive, trying to remind me who was in charge. 
several stings later, no, lots of stings later, and we had all of the hives set up with additional boxes for honey production and could get back to the truck for yet more coffee and cake, essential for energy and morale. The good news was the careful way in which we had prepared the hives for the move meant there were no mishaps, no meltdowns, and the colonies were now set up to benefit from the 100 plus acres of borage available to them. I'm really pleased with this initial move. Subsequently, we moved just a truck full of bees to a nearby site with just pumpkins on it at the request of the farmer. I'm not sure we get much benefit from the pumpkins in terms of nectar flow, but there's lots of pollen and the site isn't that far away from the borage. So I'm sure, like last year, the bees will work their way over to the borage and benefit from that crop too. The farmer is happy because he gets a good pollination of his pumpkins and we get to see smaller colonies grow and develop into strong overwintering colonies ready for next year. I can't quite believe that I'm already thinking about next year. Amazingly, we were able to get 17 Technoset hives on the back of my truck, albeit several of them were smaller colonies with no additional supers added, just a standard brood box setup. Even so, it was great to be able to get as many hives as we did onto the truck and not have to use the trailer. It's so much easier without a trailer. I mentioned that earlier in the week we had already moved supers to the borage in preparation. We also made an interesting discovery while we were loading up the boxes from the farmer's barn. Not only had we one swarm, I think I had previously mentioned it, either here on the podcast or perhaps on a video, I can't quite remember. Anyway, there was another swarm in another stack of supers and yet another swarm on the outside of a stack of supers. You can set up all the bait hives you want, but ultimately these bees will go where the bees want to go. The swarm in the supers was easy enough to deal with. I created a double super brood setup on a floor, added a roof and, hey presto, a colony in a hive. Just to explain, the swarm had already started to create a brood area. The queen was laying eggs in the super, so rather than try to shake them out, the easiest thing to do is to allow them to establish themselves in the supers and then add a brood box above. They'll then have room to grow as we head into the late summer and early autumn period before feeding and settling them down for the winter, effectively turning them into a brood and two supers for the winter. Now the other swarm was a completely different kettle of bees. Not only had they settled on the outside of the supers, but they'd started to build a large patch of comb and had eggs and larvae in it already. Obviously they'd been there for some time. Unfortunately, there wasn't much I could do with them other than shake them into a super, add a spare floor and roof again, and get them set up as with the previous swarm. Because we were moving supers, there weren't any brood boxes available. So when it comes to making do with what you have available, sometimes you just have to get creative. So here we have another twin super floor and roof combo. And it seemed after we had left them alone for a while, as we loaded up the supers, we must have captured the queen and the supers because the bees were fanning at the entrance and they seemed quite happy to use it as their new home. 
we'll be back to check up on them in the next week or so. Potentially, the swarms all came from my hives. I think our total swarm losses this year is around a dozen or so, maybe a little over 10%, so I'm not too unhappy. All in all, it's been a week of very long hours of work, but fantastically rewarding. The day we moved our first batch to the borage was a 16-hour day, including all of the driving and preparation work. But it's all worth it, though, seeing our colonies out foraging on the farmer's borage and pumpkin crops, producing a summer bounty of honey. That is, of course, as long as the weather gods continue to play ball. We had some much-needed rain here in the east during the week, and that can only be good news for the plants looking to produce nectar and pollen to tempt our honeybees and, of course, all the other pollinators to visit their plants and be rewarded for their pollination services. Fingers crossed we also get rewarded this summer for the work we're putting in. Well, that's it for this week. Don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk. And for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. (laughs) 